Please pray with me. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Catherine and I had a wonderful opportunity to go to Paris last, uh, last October. Uh, we were there for about a week, a little over a week, and it was our first real trip away from our child, our only child at the time, Charles, and uh, it was going to a city that neither of us had been before, and so we wanted to do all the things that, that one does when they go to Paris, go to the Louvre and to the Eiffel Tower, to Notre Dame. We ate our croissants in the morning, and we drank our wine in the afternoon, and then we drank a little bit more wine in the evening, and just enjoyed being in that beautiful city. Uh, one of the highlights for me, though, was going to uh, the American Cathedral uh, there in Paris on the Sunday that we were there. Some of you maybe have been there before. It's a beautiful church, and I was excited to worship with those uh, English-speaking folks living abroad uh, in an Episcopal church in Paris. And so we got to be there, beautiful music. Uh, and the preacher uh, who was, was preaching that Sunday, the Cathedral Canon Mary Habit, uh, preached a, a wonderful sermon, and she told a story that's, that stuck with me. It made me laugh, and it's just, it stuck with me, and I was thinking about it this past week as I was preparing for today. She, she said that when she was living in, in New York City, uh, she worked at St. Bartholomew's Church for a while. When she was living there, her brother, uh, she's Canadian, her brother came down from Toronto to visit her, and when her brother came down and was unpacking all of his clothes, he realized that he had uh, forgotten to pack a dress shirt, and he needed a dress shirt for some event that he was going to. And so Mary said to her brother, why don't you just go down the street to Bloomingdale's and you can buy yourself a, a dress shirt and then you'll be good to go. And her brother stopped her immediately, she said, and, and said something like, oh, I, I don't shop at Bloomingdale's. Uh, she said that he told her that they have all of those flags lining the building on Lexington Avenue in New York City, but not one of them, not one of the flags is a Canadian flag, and so he refuses to shop at Bloomingdale's. So Mary, being the good older sister that she is, decided to take on this challenge, and she said that she, the next day, called the customer service office at Bloomingdale's and said, I notice that you don't have a Canadian flag hanging up outside of your building. Can you tell me why that is? Don't you know that Canada is one of the largest countries in the world geographically, and it's, it's our neighbor to the north? And she said that this confused customer service representative sort of sat on the phone in silence for a few minutes and then said, what we're used to hearing, I'll look into it and I'll get back to you. She said that he didn't get back to her, and so after a few days, she called him back and said, I've got a question again about that Canadian flag. Can you tell me where it is, why it isn't hanging up above the store? And she said, the customer service person said, I'll look into it and I'll get back to you. And she said that this time he, he did. After a couple of days, he, he called her back and he said to her, I went to the store, I found out what was going on, and the policy is that we change out the flags uh, regularly so that we can feature various countries at various points during the year. And she said that she was convinced that this was going to satisfy her, that she, she thought he was convinced that this was going to satisfy her, and it didn't. She said that she asked him, great, can you tell me the, the last time the Canadian flag was hanging above the store and, and when it's going to be hanging next? And he said, I'll look into it and get back to you. And 
And when he didn't, she called back again a, a couple of days later and left a message. And she said that within two minutes, she had a, a phone call back from the executive assistant to the general manager at Bloomingdale's. And this woman, after having a really love, lovely conversation with her, told her that the flag would be flying the next day. And then she ended the phone conversation by saying, you know, I really admire your persistence. And Mary said that the next day she went out, and sure enough, hanging over the, the D there was the Canadian flag, and she took a few pictures of herself standing underneath it so she could send off to her brother and let him know that it was safe to shop at Bloomingdale's again. <laughs> and she ended her story by saying, and I know this is a long story, but she ended her story by saying something that was really profound. She said, persistence is only a virtue when we are persistent about things that really matter. She said, but so often in our lives, we're persistent about things that really just aren't important at all. We're persistent about our things, things in our lives that, lives that just aren't that important. We hear this really powerful story from Matthew chapter 15 today, and we're, we're hearing a story about a woman who is extremely persistent and she's persistent because she cares. She cares deeply about her daughter who is, is very sick. Her daughter is demon-possessed. And it's, I think, one of the most painful stories that we encounter in the Gospels. It's really hard to hear this story because Jesus is, he's nasty. He's not a nice person in this story. We're told that Jesus and his disciples go to the region of Tyre and Sidon. It's just north of Galilee. It's a very Gentile heavy area. And as they, as they get there, this, this woman comes up to them and she begins to shout uh, that she wants Jesus to heal her daughter. And at first, Jesus just ignores her. He doesn't pay her any attention. And she keeps shouting. She keeps yelling out at him. And so his disciples come to him and say, just just send her away. And so it seems that Jesus is starting to maybe think that they're on to the right idea. And so he says to this woman, I've, I've come for the lost sheep of Israel. And then she, she kneels down and she, she persists in her pleading and she asks that he just heal this woman. And Jesus says uh, that it's not fair uh, to give the food from the table to the dogs, to give the children's food to the dogs. And it's just sort of a, a knife right in this woman, what Jesus says. But she persists nonetheless. She keeps going, and she says that even the dogs eat the crumbs underneath the table. And then Jesus looks at her, and he says, woman, what, what great faith you have. And he heals this, this woman's daughter. This is a really hard story for me to, to hear, to listen to, and I hope it is for you as well. It's, it's very painful what Jesus says to this woman. And there have been a whole lot of interpretations through the years about what might be happening in this, in this story. One interpretation is that maybe Jesus was just really tired. A whole lot of things have been happening to Jesus. Maybe he is just really tired, and so that explains some of his, his anger and his attitude. Before this story, we're told that he has fed 5,000 people. Last week, we heard the story of him walking on water. We're told that his relative John the Baptist has been beheaded. He's being challenged by all of the religious leaders. These commentators say that this guy, he's just really tired, and he's trying to get away from all of, this, all of these needy people. And so when this, when this woman comes and starts shouting at him, he just responds with anger. 
I don't like that explanation. Another explanation is that maybe Jesus was just sort of testing this woman. Maybe he was sort of winking at her and saying this nasty thing to her to see if she would pass the test. And when she passes, he gives her an A and he heals, uh, he heals her daughter. I think that's a, a bogus explanation as well. Another explanation is that maybe Jesus recognizes this, this woman knows that she's sort of from a, a lowlier state, a lowlier position, and when she comes and, and kneels down before him, Jesus is sort of happy at some level because he sort of sees that she recognizes her lowly state, and so that's why he heals her. And I, I don't like that explanation either. The explanation that works for me uh, is that Jesus needed to be healed as well. Jesus needed to be healed as well. This woman comes pleading, begging that Jesus heal her daughter, and then in the end we find out that Jesus is able to be healed as well as he confronts some of his own racial prejudices and stereotypes, as, we, as he confronts some of his own biases in his life. It's, it's hard to, to accept that view because to accept that view kind of makes it sound like Jesus was himself a bigot. And those of us who love Jesus, I'm one of those people, those of us who love Jesus have a really hard time swallowing that, that maybe Jesus was a product of his own culture. But it's true. I think that Jesus was living into some of the stereotypes that were very prevalent during his day. And so he calls this this Gentile woman uh, this nasty name. He calls her a dog. And then when she speaks out, when she speaks up, when she pleads on behalf of her daughter, he begins to be changed in some way. Bishop Stephen Charleston, who was the dean of the Episcopal Divinity School for a long time, says that that Jesus made a mistake in this story, and it's when he's confronted by this loving woman, this woman who is caring so deeply for her daughter, that his eyes are open and he's able to see the mistake that he's made and correct himself. Jesus is healed. It's a powerful story. It's a, it's a wonderful story. And I, I wonder what are we to make of it in, in our own day as we hear it. It's always interesting to me that the stories in the lectionary seem to sort of be addressing things that we're dealing with in our own lives in a sort of strange Holy Spirit sort of way. And it's amazing that this story has popped up in our lectionary cycle right when we're also dealing with all of these issues of, of racism and prejudices in our own country in our own daily life. So what are we to make of this story? What are we to learn from it? Where is the good news? I think that there are, that there are three things that we can learn. There are lots of things, but I'll give you three things today. The first one is that uh, being persistent is a really wonderful biblical virtue that we should live into. All throughout the gospel accounts, all throughout the Bible, really, we see examples of men and women of great faith who are persistent, who don't back down, who step up and who say, this is, this is what I believe and we're not backing down from this. Being persistent is a wonderful virtue, and we in our own day are called to be persistent as well. We're called to be persistent in the face of prejudices, in the face of, of rejection. We're called to stand firm and to say, this is what we want. This is what we need. This is our message. That's what this great woman, this great woman of faith shows us in this reading from Matthew chapter 15. So being persistent is the first thing. Being bold is the next thing that we can learn from this great woman. Stanley Hauerwas, who taught for a long time at Duke Divinity School, says that this woman gives us 
the language to know, gives us our new language uh, for speaking to God. He says that this woman teaches us how we are to talk to God. We're to tell God what it is we want, what it is we need. We are to be bold in our lives. I love, um, I love the images that were coming out of Boston yesterday. Uh, a week ago, we were seeing images of people carrying torches and swastikas, and yesterday we had thousands and thousands of bold peaceful protesters standing up and saying that hate is not the answer, that love is the answer. They were bold in the face of those prejudices. That is what this woman teaches us. Be persistent and be bold. And the last thing that I think that she teaches us is that healing can happen in our lives if we believe it. Healing can happen in our lives if we believe in it. That's, that's the message that we have to share in this broken and in this hurting world, that healing can happen. I love the story that Fred Craddock tells. Fred Craddock is one of my favorite preachers, and he tells the story of a young minister going to visit a very sick woman in the hospital, uh, and he says that this young minister went to the hospital, and this woman was uh, at the very end of her life. She was having trouble breathing. She was uh, near death, and this young minister went into her hospital room and asked her if he could say a prayer for her. And the woman said yes, and the minister said, well, what can we pray for? And he said that the woman responded that she wanted God to heal her. And so the minister, not sure what to say or what to do, decided to ask God to heal this woman. And he said that at the end of the prayer, the woman looked up at him and ripped out the oxygen tubes from her nose and stand up, stood up and, and ran out of the room and said, I'm healed. God has heard our prayers. And the minister was shocked. He wasn't sure what to do. And so he went down to his car and he sat down in the seat of his car and he decided to say his own prayer to God. And the prayer was, Lord, don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the message that we have to proclaim in this world, it's that healing can happen. I got to hear Ray Suarez speak earlier this year, and he said, don't say things. He was talking to a group of Christians. He said, don't say things that you don't believe. He said, if you don't believe that God can heal you, that God can bring about change in this world, then don't proclaim that message from your church. I believe that God can do just that. And so as we see these terrible things happening in the world, as we see these awful images on our TVs and in our newspapers, we're called to be like this woman, this great woman of faith. We're called to be persistent. We're called to be bold to proclaim our message. And we're called to let the world know that God can heal all that is broken. Amen.